If you're getting this message, it means we were successful once again in getting past the jammers and are now broadcasting on pirate radio from the free state of Texas. Stand by for more critical information to follow. Many Bothans died getting this message. And we're back. We're live. Uh, in the call-in episode here. Uh, live on location. Yes, live on, <laughs> live on location. What are you seeing down there on the ground, Greg? <laughs> 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 yeah, seen uh, crappy internet service that decided to go out right as we were getting on. So yeah, uh, so there's no conspiracy there. <laughs> it, it, I probably they found out they saw my open tabs and decided to just cut it. <laughs> That's you got to get out the tin foil hat there. Look for suspicious black vans down the block, cutting your internet or something. <laughs> Some guy how, in like a full bed suit out there on the pole. Yeah, on the that pole. would be awesome. Uh, that's when you know you know you need to go get help or something. You know, if you start seeing stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, I do kind of want to make a tin foil hat. I feel like we should make those and sell them. <laughs> <laughs> to our that family, who's the only ones who listen to this show. <laughs> you just like entirely made out of tin foil, or just like get a baseball hat and cover it in foil, or something that looks like foil, like a design. That'd kind of be cool. <laughs> so it's not so uh, obvious, you know. It's just like, oh, that's a weird looking baseball hat, and then you, if you know, you know, it's made out of tin foil. I kind of like that idea. <laughs> let's look into that add that to the list yeah um yeah we can't forget about the, the forbidden clothing either we haven't mentioned that in a while yeah super great on this referral code that we got yeah <laughs> we're doing gangbusters on that yeah i'm thinking about quitting my job <laughs> smart smart idea <laughs> Take this big income. time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but <clears throat> yeah, the the dog whistles though. We got to get back to that. So that was pretty interesting. The it's the classic. I think we we tracked it back to around the Obama era, and I remember um, Rush Limbaugh talking about that all the time. The the press would bring it up, and this is the idea behind it. It's a this politician said something and they'd take a phrase out and they would say, that's a racist dog whistle to his supporters. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. I had no idea until you pointed it out. And then maybe you could kind of make a case that that might sort of be tangentially associated with some racist, race, uh, racist stereotype. And it's like, wait a minute, but how did you see it? <laughs> Right? That was yeah. the idea. Yeah, Why that's exactly the us? idea. It's like how a dog whistle operates is you you blow the, the whistle, you don't hear anything, but a dog does. Mm -hmm. Hence the dog whistle. And the only people that seem to hear these racist uh, and white nationalist or white supremacist dog whistles are like the liberal media. Mm -hmm. So what does that make the liberal media? <laughs> right that makes them the dog that's yeah logically where that would go 
Yeah, they're the the racist dogs, I guess. <laughs> Call them the I mean, dogs. This is a wonderful start. <laughs> well, because like if you know, especially it's like in the Trump era, like that's I mean, they kicked it into overdrive, where like everything became milk became like a racist, like whatever white supremacist dog whistle thing. Milk. <laughs> and it's like do you, well, don't forget if the, somebody voted for Trump and they drank milk, they're not thinking like, ooh, I'm gonna get those I don't know, minorities, you know, I'm gonna get those Jews or something, you know. <laughs> You're just but really like, appreciative of white, pure white. <laughs> yeah. And like, what about chocolate milk? Oh nah. you know, I'm pretty sure people drink chocolate milk and but you don't you know, but like it takes somebody who has to have that racism. Or like that, uh, that type of ideal, like in their heart, it has mm. to ha take that in order for them to to see that. Yeah. Well, don't don't forget about. All right, there, I have to a few quick ones. So there was the the OK symbol that turned into some sort of white nationalist thing as well, right? Which I want to give you an aside on that. That was a four chan uh, hoax. Okay that they launched to see if they could get the media to jump on it. And, and the media did. <laughs> Wasn't there some other hand gesture? Um, uh, they were trying. Oh yeah. What was it? Uh, it wasn't like thumbs up. Was it? No, that wasn't it. I, I think it, it was. Uh, that it was like, like a it blip. was. Yeah. There was something that popped up and then it just kind of went away. Yeah, they were trying to make uh, Fortune was trying to make that happen. It didn't quite catch on as as much. Yeah, what a wild time! Racist dog whistles and not, and then it 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 the thing that's so it's it's like a lot of different things. If you look at it over a period of time, you it just becomes so obvious. Because this, I was right. paying very careful attention to this. Uh, back in the Obama term, because that's, or just two terms, because Rush would talk about all the time, the media was all into it, and it was about race. And then it just magically the same concept of dog whistles and all these different little secret nods, it just transferred over to Trump, you know? Yeah. Like, it just, with not, now it's not racism, which is, they tried so hard to get him on, you know, being a racist or anti-Semite. But they just couldn't quite. I don't know. They're they're trying so hard. It's kind of ridiculous. You know, all of his supporters now are neo Nazis, and now it's bled over into if you're a Christian or an Orthodox Catholic, then you must have some sort of white nationalist leanings. And then now the the number one terrorist threat to the United States is supposedly white nationalism. It's just, I it's. Like they run an op and it just becomes so wildly successful that it, it kind of makes a mockery of itself, you know? It's almost what it feels like, like to me. A really bad football coach who runs a play, they pick up like 20 yards. And he's like, that was the most amazing play. Let's just keep running it till the defense stops it. Mm hmm. And then finally, and then like the defense is like, dude, they're running the same play and they start stopping it. And they're like, no, no, this is the best play ever. We're going to get 20 more yards. <laughs> and then they just, they keep running it until finally like the crowd starts to boo. And then they're like, oh, let's, let's change the play. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good analogy. I was thinking though, like the defense, 
the reason that the the op keeps going is because a lot of these people per, uh, perpetrating it or perpetuating it are in an echo chamber, so they don't hear the pushback. They don't mm. really take a perspective from the outside and see that, yes, the majority of the population, when you start talking about something like this, when you go up there and say that um, Trump gave a speech on August 8th, and so he's giving a dog whistle to his Nazi followers, and you're like, followers, and you're like what? What is? The, I don't even know what that means. And then he has to like carefully break it out. And well, if you look at the <laughs> the alphabet, the eighth letter is H. And so, if you have it on August eighth, is eight eight. That means eight. You know, H H, which in some circles means Hail Hitler. And it's like, dude, what in the hell are you smoking? <laughs> like, and this is some top level FBI official. It's like he must, they must, he must go back after that little press conference and they all pat him on the back. You got it in there. You did it. You're so brilliant. And it's they're You know, they're not seeing the defense. They're not seeing that until it gets to the crowd booing. Like you were saying, when it just becomes so overwhelming, um, it, you know, through all culture that what they're doing is just a joke, you know, and they're like, yeah. Oh, well, I guess we'll try something else. But, yeah, it's never very creative. It's always just replays of old tactics. Well, and like, um, you brought up an interesting point uh, where they do, you know, go off on like these weird, like, conspiratorial tangents, and like that's gospel. But then, if someone were to bring up, you know, something about say the Kennedy assassination doesn't quite seem right. All of a sudden you're labeled a conspiracy theorist in like a pariah <laughs> of society. Yeah. Or if you're, you're like, Hey, you know what? Not all the details on Sandy hook seem like exactly the way you're saying it. Oh, let's find you a billion dollars. Yeah. A billion. It, it, yeah. He talks about that, but a lot how ridiculous that is. That is just a straight up witch hunt, man. A billion dollars. Yeah. dude. The guy, he makes like a couple million dollars a year. Um, yeah. And they're going to sue him for a billion. Like that. See what they're doing is it's a, what would they call that? A, not a steel man, a straw man. Well, and maybe uh, it's a steel man too. Cause they're, they have this fictionalized vision of who that person is and how influential he is and how much money he makes. And they put that guy on trial and not the real guy. You know, they put right. this fictional character that's been blown up in their minds on trial. And that's how they get him out to be peeing on children's graves and um, worth billions of dollars. You know, it's, it's not real. <laughs> None of that happened. Right. He just said some pretty outrageous things and, you are literally putting them on trial for free speech violation, whatever that means. Speech violation? What do they call it? They call it something in Canada. Hate, hate speech. speech? Yeah. Which is... Man. Like, what is that? What is what is hate speech? I mean, that could be anything. <laughs> exactly. That could be, for example, I live in the commie state of the People's Republic of Minnesota, and hate speech could mean somebody says, wow, the Packers are really good. 
that could be offensive to many people who unfortunately like the Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> you know, like, is that hate speech? Or like, what if that's offensive? Could you imagine that? It is Could you so imagine offensive. like getting arrested for saying like, wow, the Packers are really good this year. The Vikings suck. Yeah. But they're, like, they're... I mean, that's, that seems stupid, but that's, that's what it is, dude. That's, that's hate speech. So I think there's a few criteria. So one that kind of turns everything on its head is how it makes a person feel. So it's not like you're saying something, you know, what, you know, really what are the limits on free speech? It's basically threats. Um, yeah. Threats, right. You're threatening physical violence. Um, but it's, now, so it's how the person feels, and then that person also has to be part of a protected class, which is everybody except white men, straight white mm. men. So straight that's white Christian uh, Republican men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to cover all the bases for sure. Um, yeah, exactly. It's everybody's protected except them. Um, so that's mm. messed up. And yeah, Minnesota actually didn't they just pass a law about trans like pronouns? Uh, there was some sort of uh, prison, not a prison, but fine or something. I don't know. There, there's some law I mean, going into effect about misgendering probably. people. Which is crazy. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's so messed up up here. This is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Get out. Very... Get out while they still let you. <laughs> Yeah, that's another thing, like getting arrested for trying to leave. <laughs> Minnesota's already hemorrhaging uh, citizens. Like, I think they're right behind, like, New York and uh, California mm -hmm. as far as, um, uh, like, amount of people that have left. And I don't know, the governor's still up there just saying, like, oh, we, we don't believe in banning books here. No, you just believe in making it legal to kidnap a child, bring them to the state under the guise of, oh, we're going to turn them trans. And then they, there's even like a tranny, uh, I don't know, somebody in like the state senate or something who was trying to make being a pedo illegal. <laughs> yeah, it's that's just, wonderful. God, the state is just so jacked up, dude. And like, it's wild because like, it's just like Duluth. Minneapolis and like Rochester. Mm -hmm. Like those are the ones calling all the shots. Like rural Minnesota is like, has common sense still. That is interesting. Cause that's exactly what it is. It's the state's so small that those, the city's population now has gotten to the point where it just overruns. Well, I mean, it's probably been that way for decades now, but yeah, it's completely run by the big cities. Completely. And so, so that's why really, because you see population centers are always the most liberal places in the, in the country. So that's why you'd think of all the other states in the Midwest as being conservative, but Minnesota has just gotten the population centers so big that it's a perfect example of what you would get if, you know, all these cities were able to vote unchecked. It's exactly what you would see if you had uh, direct, elections you know you'd see yeah that those kind of policies go in around the country overnight 
Yeah, it's I don't know, man. People like it, I guess. It seems uh, seems like the some smart ideas, I guess. Yeah, socialism, bordering on communism. It's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's depressing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we're not even haven't even gotten into what we're we're going to talk about today, have we? (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking of all the things. I was like, I've got so many things I want to say on this, but then we'll just be talking about that the whole show. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Minnesota is a uh, worthless state. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we have resources we could be mining and using to make uh, the systems better, but uh, we don't need to use those. Nope. You know, we don't need to do any mining up here. So they just try to make it a communist utopia where it's like, I don't know. I feel, I feel like people should have to like play like Sim City or like any type of like, I don't know, a civilization game and try to start something up where if like, if you don't produce anything, how, how good do you think you'll do? <laughs> That would be good. You know, have you that know? be part it's of the just curriculum. Like basic stuff. Yeah, I mean, we don't. I mean, you could basically count on the fact that the education system teaches exactly the opposite of what people really need to be successful. As yeah. I was just in a class last week, and we were talking about real estate, and this guy is just, you know, the whole class about valuing real estate, um, but he was talking about, you know, all these stories and um, basically how one third of all the millionaires in Texas started off as real estate people. It's like, yeah, that you think that would be important to teach some of these concepts to people in school. If one third of all the millionaires got there through real estate and the not, not a peep, you know, personal finance, you would think that would be something that would be heavily focused on, you know, but you know, that would ruin the whole pipeline to college because if people look at the actual finances of getting a college degree, um, a lot of times it just doesn't make sense, you know, increasingly so, but I don't know. Teach real life skills in school, you know? Like college is one of the most pointless endeavors in today's day and age like unless if you are going for like i don't know what my wife calls like high-end trades i.e like being a doctor or a lawyer Mm. like there's really no point to go to school like college yeah yeah it's um medical related so doctor nurse some things associated with that Lawyer, you're probably always going to make money if you're talented enough to get through law school. And then uh, I'd say engineering is probably always going to be solid. Um, and what else? There's something else. I mean, no, because like it. any of the trades, you can make good money, real good money, being in any sort of trade, and you don't need to go to school for that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you you might need some certifications and whatnot, but you can start working, you know, in high school, you could start working, let's say you're 16. And if you're doing, if you're an electrician, 
you can get um, journeyman license in like two years, I think. And then you can be a master electrician in whatever it is, six years, take some tests. So if it's six years, you start at 16, you're 22 when most people graduate high school or college. And you've now worked this whole time and made forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year. Um, and then you come out with a master's license, you can start your own business. And I mean, even <clears throat> just a master's electrician's license, you can go work for somebody and make well over a hundred thousand dollars easily anywhere in the country. So you've had that earning potential the whole time that other people have been going to college and taking out fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year. Um, and then at the same time they come out of college, they're going to start working at 30 or $40,000. If you get just a standard degree, you're going to be making 40 K with all that debt. Meanwhile, this guy has made money the whole time the electrician has, and now he's pulling in a hundred K a year for the rest of his life, you know, or more if he starts a business. It yeah, like it's, it. it's, it's wild. The amount of, uh, I don't even know what you call it. Um, propaganda that they have on that, like working trades is seen as being like beneath a lot of people. And it's like, Oh, they're just the help, you know, yep. but like they probably make way more money, you know? Cause like people like you just laid out where it's like, Oh, I got to live in New York city, you know, where like rent for like a closet is like, astronomical yeah and you know you live there like you said making you know whatever even if you're living in new york and you make 50 grand it's like what's that in new york you know that's yeah, you pennies can't live on that there's no way <laughs> so i don't know it's like maybe the health has has something going for it you know maybe <laughs> they know what's going on yeah yeah there is the stigma though it's that's what it's been the college degree is a prestigious thing and that prestige used to translate into money or just you know the idea like you're saying of the help is well if i'm successful it means i don't work with my hands you know i'm an intellectual or i type on a keyboard so there's that prestigious attitude um that just doesn't seem to really pay off <laughs> anymore because the yeah. college market's been diluted so much um so many people are getting their degrees now that it's in effect uh the equivalent of a high school education from you know 50 years ago it's it's like a stepping stone i, I see jobs all the time now where yeah you you know bachelor's degree for sure but you probably need a master's or a phd <laughs> to be competitive right. it's like whoa phd what are we talking 12 years of school for that of college or <laughs> i don't know probably not that yeah it's probably like eight years it's crazy yeah and the money you know every year you're in school you're just racking up those loans that never go away by the way even if you declare bankruptcy those things are always going to be there you just you're carrying around a house payment a lot of times it's yeah exactly and then you can never get ahead mm -hmm. and then you're stuck and then you have to take like government handouts or like vote for 
you know, senile grandparents to like that say like, oh, we'll wipe out this debt. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, that'd be great. Let's vote for that. And you vote for that. And then psych, we're just going to give you massive inflation and make everything even more expensive. And then not only do you have to pay back, you know, over six figures in in student loans, but now you can't even afford ramen noodles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to look at it as an investment. You know, if you got to look at what you're going to pay for the degree, and then you have to look at the payback period. How many years is it going to take you with that supposedly increased salary you've gained from getting the college degree? Um, how how many years is that going to take to pay off? And if it's 10 years, um, you might want to rethink your choice. <laughs> That's kind of ridiculous. Exactly. I mean, you wouldn't, there's, you know, like a rule of thumb, you'd want to see a five-year payback on your money. That'd be maximum if you were investing in anything. You know, I mean, right. it just depends on your risk preferences, whatever, you know. You might be more adverse to risk and you want a safe investment that pays back over a long period of time, which I think a lot of people are looking at the college degree that way. Well, it's a lifetime of earnings. Well, I mean, I guess, but you really got to do the math and then look at, well, well, I got out of college and I want to get married in a few years. I want to have kids and buy a house. Well, you know, and have nice cars that I finance. You're not going to be able to do all that because you are, you're carrying around a house payment <laughs> and that's right. just, just paying for that, that education, which by the way, is the education itself is almost worthless. The piece of paper is what you're paying for really when it comes down to it, just so it, you know, you could put it on a resume, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I I think college is absolutely worthless. Mm-hmm. I'm with you 100. percent Unless it's a doctor, but even that, you're taking out the loans are ridiculous to become a doctor, and then the stress involved. I mean, you could make a lot of money, but all you're going to be doing is working and working right. to pay back those loans for a while. Um, engineering. I really don't see any downsides to that um, if you can go to a reasonable school because you can start out making, you know, 70, 80,000. Um, so that might still be a solid career choice. And then lawyers, I don't know about lawyers, you know. <laughs> it seems like you can get really rich at it, but I, I would imagine there's quite a few lawyers who just never do anything with their law degree as well. But um, the other thing that you can do, which we were just – uh, me and the wife last weekend were just gaming out what we would do differently if you're to go back. Mm-hmm. I I came up with the the scenario where you would enlist in the army or whatever it doesn't matter to the branch, enlist in the military at 17 or 18, um, go to training, uh, then go to college, um. And you could do something like the guard, so you're not, you know, full-time, but you could go full-time. No, I would do the guard, go to college, have the guard pay for the college, then enter ROTC and get an officer's commission. Um, So you can get a bonus up front when you enlist. You get paid for drill, 
while you're going to college. They pay for your college and then you um, go to uh, ROTC, become an officer and go for three to four years in the army, make decent money, have your housing paid for. You've got that college degree. You can get some paid experience being an officer nothing special. Do like finance or accounting um, in the military and then come out in the civilian world with four years of experience, a college degree, the college was paid for. And now you can come right in as an accountant in the private sector and make, you know, 80, 90, hundred thousand dollars. That, that would be the move. But. Interesting. I think I would do, if I could, I guess, do my version of life over I would go right after high school, I would go active duty, um, get, and then while I'm in, get tuitions assistance. So get my bachelor's while I'm in, um, and then get out and then use my GI bill to get my master's. Mm. Cause that way, cause the reason why I go, would go active versus the guard ROTC route is when you're 18, you have like, you're kind of young and dumb at that point, but then like, you can basically live like your like formative years, like being taken care of. Right. As dumb as that sounds, but like, you don't have to worry about rent. You don't have to worry about like any of that stuff. So you're, you have almost zero expenses and you could save all that money, which, you know, isn't a lot, but you know, you could save it, start investing it, even get a degree if you want. So choose to even like getting like, uh, even going to like trade school, Mm -hmm. you know, like becoming the journeyman or whatever. Um, and then, um, you know, use the, use the, uh, the GI bill on getting your, your master. Yeah. I didn't know that was an option. I didn't, so when you're active, they pay education benefits, um, on top of the GI bill or. Yeah. So you don't even touch the GI bill. You get, uh, I forget the actual term. It's like something tuition assistance. Hmm. And it's not as robust as the GI Bill, but uh, yeah, they'll pay for you to do like online classes. Well, or I mean, you could you could go in person. I guess it's it's more difficult, obviously. But well, um, that's a good tip. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I, I yeah. agree with the fact that it depends on the person. You know, if if it, the kid, you know, at eighteen is just not gonna put in the effort, you know, and just, you know, not, is going to drop out of school or whatever. Well, then that doesn't make sense. But if, yeah, if they're, if they're wilds, yeah, I could see, um, active duty for a few years just to, to protect them from themselves, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, honestly, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's routes. That's what I mean. College is not worth less. It is worth something because that's the first, you know, I just go back and here's a way you can go to college and get your degree. And you're talking about a master's degree. Well, we all know that they have some value, but it's, you know, if you're actually going to pay for it out of your own pocket, 
maybe not. So this is just a way that you can get it for free, which if you're going to get it for free, you might as well do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If it's free, then yes. Cause then, I mean, you get what you pay for. Yeah, exactly. You know, if, if, if you're paying for it, then absolutely no, it is not worth it. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Active duty. That might've been the thing, but ROTC is pretty cool too. I mean, that's a, a kind of a cheap hack way to get into the <laughs> an officer. <laughs> yeah. A little bit easier. Yeah. I'm not knocking that. I just, uh, you had mentioned like, uh, like doing, doing stuff over again. Like me personally, that's how I would like redo my life. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's a solid move too. I mean, there's not really many other opportunities out there to get a free education unless you get right. a scholarship or your parents are paying for it, which that's <laughs> yeah. Lucky, lucky buggers who get that, that option. Or maybe I, don't know, I was fortunate or, uh, I guess, privileged in today's speech um, where, like, my parents uh, would match me mm. uh, what I put in. So basically whatever I could contribute to uh, my schooling, which I ended up going to trade school, um, they would match. So I was able to basically finish with no, um, no debt Nice, because I worked my butt off, um, and was able to pay for half and they paid for the other half. You did that right out of high school or. Yeah. Nice. What? I didn't know. What, what did you go to school for? Uh, wireless communications, Oh, which I don't use. (laughs) So (laughs) it was worth it. Well, that worked um, out in the, the army then, I guess. Oh, for sure. Like it, it definitely helped me on the path I ended up going on. Um, I just don't use the actual degree, but oh, you got to get your hand license. Come on. What are you doing? I know I, know <laughs> I should. It's on, it's on the, the bucket list, if you will. Yeah. We could do, uh, I don't know. It's, I'm kind of a, purist when it comes to that i don't agree with some of the the more modern ham stuff as they link everything to the internet i'm just like guys that's kind of defeating the purpose i i don't know yeah i'm just gonna say that seems antithetical to yeah i don't know what that would be i'm just saying that'd be if you got your ham license that'd probably be only the only way we could talk unless we do hf and just get lucky with the signal but yeah. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Oh, <laughs> uh, are we gonna talk about the CIA or something? <laughs> yeah, we were talking. We uh, mentioned like several weeks ago. <laughs> the next time we were gonna, um, yeah, talk about like CIA operations and maybe to a lesser extent, just things our government has done in the name of the common good or the science the science that's how you know it's not good it's definitely not the science if anybody has any inkling about what science is it's definitely not the science oh man 
I've got a whole thing on that. Uh, how it's on the turned, science? Yeah, it's a religion. It's turned into a religion. Science has turned into a religion? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I think a lot of things kind of turn into that uh, eventually, but it has it's become so mainstream and just, you know, the way you'd say the science. Well, what it's like almost religious connotations. It's like you're talking about the Bible or something, you know? The science. I just <laughs> I like when they say the science is settled. And it's like, well, no, it's not, because science is never settled. That's the whole point of, of science. Yeah. Is you're constantly like reworking it and figuring trying to figure things out. Yeah, that's the there's hypothesis and then there's a theory, which is a tested hypothesis for a long period of time. And that's most of the stuff that we go off of is theory. You just look at that. Why the heck do they call it theory if it's settled? <laughs> exactly. This is just a theory that's been tested a few times and we're not ready to get rid of it yet, but someday we will. And then, then it goes to what law is yeah, like a inarguable mathematical principle or something like that. But yeah, we're just working off of theories, people. There is no settled. It's settled for what time period? That's what you really got to ask. Yeah, well, it's settled for this election cycle. That's what they really mean. And then they pull... They pulled the the toothpaste commercial um, marketing where they say, you know, like nine out of 10 scientists agree. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, but there's one that doesn't. It's not a consensus. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's one that doesn't. You know, what's he saying about it? (laughs) Why why does he not agree? Like, let's look into that. He's just the, the 12th man from... I don't know. I've heard that. There's the principle where, you know, you get people in the room, 11, 12 people in a room, and there's, if they all agree, it's one guy's obligation to disagree just on principle. <laughs> it's, I think it's a Jewish idea, but it's, <laughs> that's, they're just pulling a bunch of Jewish dentists, I guess. And like, wait, what everybody else say? <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, I'm not for it. Could you imagine if we were like, I don't know, at any other point in in history, how messed up things would be? How so? Like, oh, it's nine out of ten scientists agree that the the Earth is flat. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that would, I don't know, man. I think that's happened, and they just used to burn the people who didn't disagree. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Is you, you can get down a slippery slope, especially, I mean, if you look at science and religion, they've been intricately tied in the past. It was, you know, the Catholic Church was the uh, overall authority on what was scientifically true or not. You know, you, it's, yeah. it's pretty easy to see how just science itself could become its own religion. Yeah. There's whole bunch of I just the whole scientific system is pretty well broken at this point I mean just you know with people falsifying studies uh, that's a big one especially in the pharmaceutical industry where they just 
just completely make up studies or tweak the data in such a way where it looks good. And, you know, people review the paper, quote unquote, but nobody's really reviewing them because a lot of times how, not a lot of times, mostly how these scientists get promoted or gain prestige is by the number of papers that they write. And a lot of times that can be tied to financial incentives as well, not just with the job, but with uh, being hired with, let's just say, pharmaceutical companies. So the, the whole system of peer review is pretty much in the toilet. Um, there's this one guy, I don't remember his name. I think he has an organization, though. He saw some these ridiculous papers that were coming out of these universities about LGBT stuff. And so he just decided to write his own um, fake studies and just the most outrageous crap about dog behavior and stuff like that. <laughs> just, uh, just absolutely outrageous. But he got many, many of these papers published into, and he even got awards for some of them um, and all it, you know, the data was completely made up and obviously made up if you just looked at it and read the study. But because it fit a certain ideology, you know, it got all this approval and got awards. And the, the college system in general, I think, incentivizes students to uh, cater and tweak the, the data. So when you're writing a paper, you have to find sources, right? You come up with like a hypothesis or an idea about your story and then you research it and you look for sources. But what people do is they source pick, they pick sources that they agree with and cite those sources. So it's hard to, you know, it's hard to refute the claims of the paper because they're all cited sources that have been cited by other people. And, you know, the data behind those has passed the peer review process, but you can pick and choose and you can make the outcome of your argument look legitimate, even though it may not be because you're not including the sources that disagree with your premise. And that, that is literally what every college student is incentivized to do because that's how you get A's is you pick and choose and even make up sources that aren't real. Um, and that's, that's the system that all these scientists kind of start their, their foundation off at, you know, I think there really needs to be some major revamping of the scientific method, quote unquote, and how it's actually been implemented. But that's just, I, I yes. know somebody, somebody I know went to school with, uh, a person who got, you know, all the awards and a 4.0 and they were cheating the whole way through. So, wow. It's it's a thing. It's like it's a game and you set up the game with the wrong incentives, you're going to get people who shouldn't have passed. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. But, yeah. I don't know, man. I just I don't know. You should look up those studies, though. I'm trying. I maybe I'll look it up. How would I do that? It's a dog park, fake dog park stories. And studies, fake dog park studies. 
I just want to know the guy's name because he had a bunch of other. Uh, it's in the New York Times. That's got to be right. What the audacious hoax reveals about academia. Um, where's the guy's name? James Lindsay. Yeah, that's it. James Lindsay. Yep. I've heard of it interviewed a few times too, talking about this, but yeah, he got 20 papers published. <laughs> yeah. So by the time they took their experiment public late Tuesday, seven of their articles have been accepted for publication by ostensibly serious peer reviewed journals. Seven more were still going through various stages of the review process. Um, disprove the credo. Blah, 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 blah. I think a lot of it was about feminism, actually. Give me the name of one of these stories. They're not going to tell me. Dogs suffer oppression based upon perceived gender. That's what it was. No way. That's one of them. <laughs> but I mean, he's, I've heard it. <laughs> I've heard the descriptions of like the actual study and their methodology and everything. And it's just, it was too much. I can't even <laughs> say what it was because it was so ridiculous. That's incredible. So he just made all these things up and won awards and whatnot. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. He, he went in with the whole idea that he was going to show how corrupt the uh, scientific community was. That's amazing. Uncover the mystery. Man, I, there's just too much to read through, but I wish I could. Oh, something. Oh, that was another thing. <laughs> he got a paper published called Our Struggle is My Struggle. And basically... It was just a reprinting of Mein Kampf. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And he got that published. <laughs> no way. That's hilarious. <laughs> I would just love to see the comments on that from reviewers. The glowing comments. <laughs> no, I'll, there had to be. Yeah. I got I to gotta look that one up specifically. That would be... <laughs> Our struggle is my struggle. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, geez. how did nobody catch that? Because they're a bunch of mm, tards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, especially with the gender studies and everything, it's oh, they—they they just. You, it's what I'm saying is they—they they read into it what they want to get from it. You know, it's right. not looking at it from an objective lens. It's, oh, I agree with that. Oh, I agree with that. You know, it's like, well, you're reading Mein Kampf. So <laughs> what uh, <laughs> What are you saying here? <laughs> oh, that's. That makes me I don't know. That makes me happy for some reason that he was able to pull the wool over people's eyes like that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. There's a story in the New York Post academic journal accepts feminist feminist Mein Kampf talks about it. I just want to see some quotes. Summary of the feminist version of Mein Kampf reads, feminism, which foregrounds individual choice, responsibility, female agency, and strength, can be uh, countered by a feminism which unifies in solidarity 
around the victimhood of the most marginalized women in society, that means nothing to me. <laughs> no, it's a bunch of word salad. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Anyways, I I forgot about that. That's incredible. So yeah, the academic community. And then you if you want to just really charge it up and put it on steroids is uh, the climate science and oh, the amount gosh. of money that's in there. So let me put it this way. Do you think if you went to school now and wanted to come out and be a climate scientist and work anywhere, do you think you could do that and have questions about the methodologies and some of the results? Do you think you would oh, even make not. it through school? <laughs> no, you'd be chastised and kicked out. So it weeds the people out who actually are honest. And then it also creates this conformity effect to people who are dishonest. So you're just getting your this feedback loop of more and more zealous people into the industry. And the only way they can really succeed, you know, because the market's so flooded now with people doing this kind of work is you got to just be, I mean, what you have to make up outrageous claims, right? How else do you yeah. get people to pay attention to you? You have to come up with the most outrageous, the most dire, the most doomsday studies um, to get getting attention. But I just, I remember, and this was even back in, um, Gosh, what was it? 2013, 2012, somewhere in there. Um, I had this English. No, it was a speech class. And I, you know, the teacher's like, oh, yes, our first big speech. You got to pick out topics. I'm going to okay the topic with you, see if it's too broad, whatever. I was like, ah, climate change is a hoax. She's like, what? <laughs> and she's like, I, are you joking? It's like, no, that's my topic. And she's like, well, I don't think you can do that top because it's just the evidence is so overwhelming and blah, 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 blah. And she literally would not let me have that be my topic. That's crazy. So I, I had to tweak it and talk about uh, nuclear power as my main subject and then just trash climate change throughout the paper. <laughs> smart but you know i mean that's right there is an example of probably you know i might have been cherry picking stuff too but i wasn't <laughs> <laughs> nah but you know that was back then and there was that much pressure where you couldn't even write a speech about it like wow <laughs> that's crazy yeah i agree though it is a hoax yeah, I think um, if we want to look anywhere, we should probably look at the sun. I mean, don't look at the sun. Don't look at the sun. You need glasses on, <laughs> but <laughs> we should look to the sun, perhaps. Um, if you've ever looked at solar cycle activity, um, you could pull it up on Wikipedia if you want and you can look at the little graph we're in right now and we're actually at a 11 year peak in the cycle of the sun that goes into 2024. So, you know, that just a little p 
piece of data that might be useful to people. If you're wondering why it's hot out this year, it's been hot for the last five years. Like, well, I mean, I just thrown this out there, but the sun might have something to do with that. You know, just a little bit. I also think it's weird how like whenever seasons change, they, I don't know, come on with a new, like when summer hit, they're like talking about the planet warming and it's like, yeah, dude, that's how summer works. <laughs> I just like, it blows my mind. Like it just, it gets hot. Yeah. And then guess what? In a few months it'll get cold. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's how winter works. And it's amazing. That's, you know what? All that is, that's that's the sun, man. <laughs> that's just the sun exactly. being a, a slightly less, you know, lower in the sky and you get snow <laughs> for the entire winter. That's just a little bit less solar radiation, um, you know, like night and day. You know how it gets cold at night? <laughs> that's because the sun is around the other side of the earth. <laughs> I'll bet you in a few years they will be saying like, oh, be careful because at like 6 p.m. tonight, the sun will die a little bit. And you might see like an empty sun. Don't be alarmed yet. We have 12 more years to stop this thing called nightfall. (laughs) Hey, it's not too far off. There's plenty of religions. That would sacrifice to the sun so it would come back. <laughs> we have displeased Ra. <laughs> Slaughter <laughs> the virgins. <laughs> you would think after like, I don't know, I, I'll even give them the third day that they've been like, oh, this is just going to keep happening. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's, but that's where it's going. And then, I mean, they're really talking about uh, for the past year or so, I think a year, I start I started to see papers and studies and articles pop up on dimming the sun. I think we've talked about this before, but. I think so. Yeah. Putting sulfur up in the atmosphere and we got to dim the sun. And it's like, man, that sounds like a bad idea. But why I, not? <laughs> why not just wait until three o'clock, four o'clock? Yeah, you know it'll be dim. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just—I mean, just think. I—I I, it sounds so stupid and simplistic, but it—it it gets. Let's say it gets to sixty degrees at night. When the sun's up and it's noon, it'll be eighty degrees. So, <laughs> how do you? Well, that suss clearly that means out? the world's ending, Gabe. <laughs> how do you suss out that much variation and? totally ignore the sun in all of this and i know they'll say it's well the sun is because of the greenhouse effect so yeah we're talking about the sun but are you really what are you taking into effect all those freaking i mean we're at a solar maximum right now we don't even have enough data on the sun's uh cycles to predict longer cycles you know we got it down to like 20 or uh 11 year cycles which the magnetic uh poles flip on the sun i believe I think it's every 11 years. It might be, then there's another like 120 year cycle. Uh, and you see correspondence with that and the actual climate in the past too, like the Maunder minimum. If you look that up, you can see it in the chart of the sol- of solar activity. Uh, it corresponds with the little ice age. 
you know, where there were summers without uh, anything growing because it was too cold. Um, and that's mm. not that long ago. And then you also conveniently look at the trend trend line of that where they, uh, you know, we're always comparing the, the climate change, the degrees, the temperature change, you know, two degrees Celsius or 1.6 degrees Celsius. And we talk about that in reference to 1850, which just so happened right in the 1800s was one of the coldest periods uh, in the last thousand years. I mean, I might be wrong on the math on that one, but it was a particularly cold period of time corresponding with low solar activity. And that conveniently is when they pick to start measuring today's climate is particular cold period. Um, but they'll say, oh, it's the industrial revolution. That's when we started burning coal. And it's like, well, is that really what you're measuring? Anyways, I'm sorry. I Crazy. totally just derailed this. <laughs> <laughs> We're at an hour now. We didn't even talk about the CIA. I mean, oh, do do you got time to keep going? Yeah, we let's. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm I'm, I'm warmed up now. You're warmed up. We can now talk about the actual topic. <laughs> let's just like. Well, I mean, do another episode. It segues into it. Yeah. To be honest with you, because uh, you know, it's all just craziness that the government has done yep. to like further their own agenda mm -hmm. to be honest with you so like yeah we're talking about you know right now them using science and and the the notion that you know oh you need that college education and you know all these things to just you know get you into like these four eight year whatever indoctrination camps where you end up you know having to pay back the government mm -hmm. you know six figures you never really get ahead you're forced to live off the, the the government dime and then um i don't know i mean that just kind of leads into some of these other things we were talking about with the experiments they've done on their own people and the operations that they've done on their own people yeah specifically to manipulate us in a lot of cases yeah should we uh should we break this into two episodes or just keep rolling uh let's just keep rolling i don't know do okay. we need to edit it no i was the only thing i was thinking is just to make sure that your end's getting uploaded but it looks like it is on, uh, on the right side it says it is. So. Yeah, it says 99% right now. Yeah. That's what it usually says. Well, let's keep going then. What do we got first? Right. Um, Tuskegee? Or you yeah, want... let's talk about this Tuskegee. All right. Go for it. Um, I don't, I mean, again, my internet is, is not working. If I were to leave this app to pull oh, it up. Oh, I've got, uh, yeah, I can. Sorry, forgot. We were I, just I talking don't know about if it, it would work, but, um, I've got the story. Quick rundown, I guess, uh, till you get some the solid information pulled up. Uh, they're like a military unit, right? Like a, I think an all black military unit that they tested like syphilis on, gave them all syphilis without telling them. Yeah, that's that's what I remember too. I for some reason I thought it was military as well, but I I just pulled this 
quick story up, and I don't know if it was military members. I think, so this is saying it was, um, they enrolled 600 impoverished African-American sharecroppers. Um, oh. And 399 had syphilis. So they picked out people to study syphilis and its effects. Um, and they told them that they were treating it, but they really weren't. <laughs> they were legitimately just watching these people slowly die of syphilis for science. Um, this was trust the science. Yeah, yeah. Not if not if you're a African American sharecropper. That's for damn sure. Um, wow. The U.S. Public Health Service syphilis study at Tuskegee Group decided to build on. Oslo work, the Oslo work, so Norwegian, I guess, uh, and perform a uh, perspective study to complement it. So it began as a six-month descriptive uh, endemological, I can't, why can't I say that? Epidemiological, epidemiological <laughs> uh, study of, I know I can say that word if I'm not thinking about it. Um, and the range of patholo uh, pathology associated with syphilis in the population of Macon County. Um, the researchers involved with study reason that they were not harming the men involved in the study under the presumption <laughs> that they were unlikely to ever receive treatment. So that was their rationale as well. They wouldn't have got treatment anyways, so we're not really hurting them. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. I just want to see how many people. So they had a control group of 200 men who were not infected. Uh, so the incentive to participate in the study was free medical care. Um, so they got free medical care, but they didn't get treated for syphilis, which would have been very easy to treat. I think that would just be antibiotics, but I want to see how many people died and so by 72 only 74 of the test subjects were alive over the span of how many years um so that was it started when it started when did it start uh november of that year what year what year 1972 uh no uh between 1932 and 1972. So 32. Oh, so about four, four, 40 years. Yeah. Yep. And then there is 200 they started with. Is that right? Uh, 200 was the control group. So they had 600 total. They had 200 in the control group and 400 in who had syphilis. Um, so of the original 399, 28 died of syphilis and 100 died of related complications. And 40 of their wives had been infected and 19 of their children who were born. Wow. Yeah. So. So basically just experimenting on American citizens. Mm-hmm. Yep. And literally just watching them die over a period of 40 years and their spouses and children get syphilis. 
Wow. And I think it's so it started out in 32. They didn't have uh, antibiotics sufficient to treat it back then. But in 1947, uh, they had penicillin to treat it. So for whatever that was for 15 years, you know, I guess they didn't have a treatment for it. But then for the remainder of the time, there was a known treatment and they did not give it to them. So. Yeah. Wow. There's your um, CDC. Yeah, no kidding. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, unless you're a black sharecropper. Or, you know, other people that we just haven't heard about yet. So for all the people that, like, talk about, uh, uh, like, systemic racism and whatnot, um, that sounds like the system itself being racist right? Mm -hmm. It was all black sharecroppers. So then why do they keep voting for the same system? <laughs> really good propaganda. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Which, you know, there is, I've seen studies out there about even just vaccines in general, but uh, I guess the black percentage or part of the population uh they're they have a much higher uh yeah what should we say distrust of vaccines and i can see why (laughs) (laughs) we're the government we're here to study you and give you free medical care but they're just slowly watching you die over years wonderful unreal there's the CDC for you and the United States Public Health Service. Hmm. So I guess that kind of brings us into the other one I told you about, uh, the Stanford experiment. Hmm. Do you have that one pulled up? Yes, I do. Um, have you heard much about this one or no? Yeah, I have. I've, I've heard quite a bit about it. Um, I'm absolutely fascinated by this one. Yeah, it's really, really fascinating case study on human psychology and just the roles that people take. I mean, you just yeah. you're assigned a role and you act that out even if you think it's wrong. But um, I guess I can read the kind of what it was about. So it was a 1971, a psychological experiment a uh, two-week simulation of a prison environment. Um, and these were students at Stanford. Um, so it was designed to study the situational variables on participants' reactions and behaviors. So what they did is they divided them up into two groups. Uh, one part was the prison guards. The others were prisoners. Um I'm just going from memory here, I'm trying to scroll down to where they were actually talking about it. So the roles, uh, yep, it's the superintendent was the teacher, the professor in charge, and then they had undergraduate research assistant who took the role of the warden. Um, 
man's characteristics. The bottom line is with this, though, from what I remember, is the prison guards just became increasingly more violent and uh, intolerant of people breaking the rules. Um, I don't remember if it got sadistic, like they were beating him or anything, but um, they've got it laid out day by day what happened here, which is kind of hard to read through. Um, I just want a summary. Well, they basically um, just like watch these people and like, did they make them do anything? No, but they also didn't stop anything. And the amount of, I guess, psychological turmoil that this put on people um, is is pretty immense. And the reason why I find it so fascinating is, yeah, because they they did just take what they were told. You know, like, oh, you have to be a prisoner. And they just acted as a prisoner, began feeling like a prisoner. And then the guards, the more the more into it they got, um, the more into, I guess, playing the role of a guard that they got, they uh, got more and more uh tyrannical yeah that's exactly just reading here they were so it's they had like visiting periods and they would make the the visitors wait for longer and longer um and it just they just kept messing with them more and more and more and more and it was well beyond the parameters of the study like they weren't intending to do this they just they assigned oh you're the guard and you're the prisoners and they just kind of set them loose to do their thing and the guards just went nuts with it they just went full power hungry just whatever they could do to make these people's lives miserable well, because they could basically and yeah the, exactly. the study had to be canceled because the guards were let's see uh the prisoners concerns and the increasing brutality exhibited by the guards in the experiment uh zimbarbarado ended the study on the sixth day so it just spiraled out of control and it's just the the behavior when you have power over somebody you're gonna use it eventually i guess is what this is kind of saying um yeah i think it uh what is it the that old saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely mm -hmm. and i they let like all the power in this perceived role like go completely uh to their heads and ended up like destroying these people mentally yep yeah i it just seems to be a given just a fact you know if you have power over people you're going to use it right but there was another one that was kind of similar to this the milgram experiments they basically slave so would take a person in another room who was hooked up to uh, electrodes and they had a volunteer come into the adjacent room with the person running the study, like in a white lab coat, and they would tell him to shock the person. So the volunteer would press a button and shock the person in the other room. Um, there actually wasn't any electricity hooked up to it, but 
the person thought there was and the person running the experiment kept telling him to up the voltage and keep shocking the person and the 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 one in the other room you know supposedly getting shocked would uh, yell out and scream and say they wanted it to stop and eventually pretend to be dead and the person would continue shocking them even after they were dead uh just on the you know just because the person told them to do it running the experiment wow yeah and it was a significant significant number of people who actually went through with it i don't know i have to look that up and see how many people uh actually killed the person supposedly <laughs> somewhere i mean i think a modern I don't know. I don't want to say, I guess maybe iteration of that would really be, I mean, like with what happened with COVID, mm. like all the COVID narc lines that they made and like, yeah. oh, if you see your neighbor, you know, report on them. And it's like, you know, you think you're doing something, but you're actually doing something completely different. Like, I mean, you're affecting these people's lives. Yeah, people seem to really enjoy doing that. Some people. Yeah. That's why I I could never put myself in the position where I'd want to rat on somebody, you know? Like I just no. would never. I don't that is just gross to me. I don't I don't know. <laughs> but apparently not to everybody. Is it's even like threatening to call the police on people too. I just it just seems gross. You see it all the time. Yeah. Just, you know, whatever videos, people getting into fights and oh, I'm going to call the cop. It's like, come on. Just like, why? <laughs> You're just threatening them. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. They, oh, that reminded me. I think through all of these experiments and these, these operations that we're going to be discussing, I, I, I don't think they ever stopped these things. I think they just got what they wanted and, the, and they're using it. Yeah. I mean, you can see with what's going on today, you can see the evidence of, of all these things. Mm-hmm. Well, oh man, I had a, a story. I, did I tell you about that uh, road rage incident I witnessed? I like, don't think so. I must. There's no way I didn't. I was. Maybe you did, I, but I don't remember it. It was just weird. It was just weird to see people in that position. But I was walking and I heard screaming up ahead in the road. And there was a car parked in the middle of the road. And this guy was standing outside his car with his phone out, videotaping this guy in his driveway. The guy in the driveway has got his phone out, like pointing his phone at the other guy. And they're screaming at each other about some altercation they had in traffic and they're like just the guy in the street's like come out here and fight me and the guy in the freaking the garage has got a shovel he's holding and he's like no i'm not he's an older dude too but they're both just pointing their phones at each other like they were freaking loaded weapons and i was like this is weird (laughs) you know like you're just like hiding behind your phone like it's it's some sort of weapon like what what is what is happening right now it just looks so goofy to me (laughs) That's, just screaming at each other, pointing their phones demand. at each other, like it's gonna do something. I'm, I'm recording you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send this to the police. You know, it's like what kind of just 
<laughs> what have we become? <laughs> the guy in the car should have just gone and beat up the old man, and the old man should have shot him with his pistol, and then the world would have been right. That I could have seen. <laughs> that would have been fine. But pointing their phones at each other, that was just its just some weird thing. Just the shows the priority of the phone. It's like an extension of your body somehow. It really is. Yeah. Which is, to me, equally scary. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The fact that that's what you try to protect yourself with just by threatening video and yeah. pointing a phone at someone. That's It's weird. It's really strange. Yeah. Just goes to show how like in a basic animal nature interaction of just pure rage and people pull out their cell phone. It's that's how ingrained it is into our psyches, I guess. But yeah. Uh where were I derail it from going somewhere. We're talking about the Milgram <laughs> experiments and the shocking and then <laughs> I mean it all fits. Oh, other just... other operations. That's right. The Smith Munt Act. Ooh. Yeah. Let's get into that. I just heard somebody talk about that. So I was listening to a comedy podcast last night and they referenced it, but they played a clip of some mainstream, I think it was NPR or something, where they talked about it. Um but then brushed it aside as if, well, we know they're not doing that kind of stuff anymore. I mean, Obama, <laughs> you know, they got rid of the law in 2014 or 2012, whatever it was. But that doesn't mean that they're now sanctioned as, you know, there's there's other protections that I'm just like, what other protections? Like what evidence? <laughs> they had no supporting argument. It was just, well, they got rid of the smith Munt Act because it was outdated. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it seems to correspond really neatly with, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all of us being 100% influenced by what we read on our stupid cell phone. You know, maybe there's something exactly. to that, you know, the government colluding and working with Google and uh, all these other tech platforms to ban specific individuals they didn't agree with. You know, hmm, I don't know. And all that nah. doesn't quite have anything to do with the Smith Mont Act, but um, nah. Shit. So yeah, I agree. In case that any, doesn't happen yeah, anymore. In case anybody doesn't know, the Smith Mont Act was to prevent the government from propagandizing to Americans. Um, or no, it, yeah, that's sort of it prevented them from doing that, um, and then it got overturned. Uh, under Obama in 20, I want to say 2014. Um, yeah, I think that sounds right. And what started the they Smith Munt Act was that was that the the CIA doing their things? More than likely, I guess I don't know for sure. Um, uh, but I mean, that kind of makes logical sense, I guess. Mm, okay. It was 1948 when it was first passed. So that would be 
When did CIA start? Because it was still the OSS at that point, right? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, I would imagine so, right after World War II. Was... Yeah, they'd be post-World War II when they saw what propaganda would do. <sighs> 1946. CIA. Was when CIA? Yeah. Well, there you go. So to me, to me, they... I mean, I guess without reading it or like seeing, you know, uh, having the the data or information in front of me, I would say that they saw what the CIA was doing in other countries and saw what they could do and made it illegal for them to do it here. And then I think Obama just let it expire. Mm. I don't think they like voted to like get rid of it. It just expired under his watch. Yeah. And uh, they just didn't renew. It doesn't say. And then now here we are with, I don't know, um, people being able to get in trouble for misinformation. Yeah, that's when it's it's the government's the the main propagator of that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that very well could be the case. That's exactly they saw how successful propaganda because that's kind of what the article about it is saying. Um, so the congressional concerns were car, uh, Congress harbored significant reservations about empowering the state department to propagate information and ideological materials to the American public. Uh, key issue was oversight over state department programs, including exchanges, which books were distributed abroad, blah, 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 radio programming. Yeah. So Congress was just concerned over, they, I mean, they were probably seeing what, you know, the OSS and then CIA was doing overseas, exactly like you're saying. They're like, wait a minute, this is a really powerful tool. We should probably not let them do this to the American public. Um, right. And so there was a law which, you know, good luck with that uh, actually stopping anybody. But at least they were, <laughs> you know, thinking about it on paper. It. Um, I mean, I'll bet you, I mean, they were still doing it mm-hmm. here. I think if we look deep enough, we'd be able to see that. Well, they were talking about it out in the open with COVID. Like, oh, we got to spread. What do they say? We got to educate the public. You know, they'd spent billions of dollars of government money to educate the public, quote unquote, to get the vaccine. You know, that was. Right. So, and then it'd be. Just other forms too, like NPR, PBS, all those government-funded media that are still there. Um, So so the Smith Modernization Act of 2012. So they modernized the Smith-Mont Act and took out the part where (laughs) they couldn't propagandize to American citizens. The only important part. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Which, you know, and it's the State Department. We don't really think about the State Department that much. But they, I mean, basically my overview of the State Department is they they run the world, basically. Um, that's at least what they see their mission as. Uh, you've got, you know, people going in like Victoria Newland, right, into Ukraine. And she's out there mm-hmm. just picking who the leaders of Ukraine are going to be. 
I mean, they they have tremendous amount of power. Um, and then there was that other chick, the I'm just remembering now from uh, Ukraine. She was the ambassador to Ukraine. Um, what the heck was her name? Something Vich. <laughs> but uh, something what? Something Vich. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, she was. So, she, so there were some FOIA documents coming from her office uh, asking the government to look into or ban uh, certain uh, conservative talk people like Steven Crowder no specifically. <laughs> so wow. you have this ambassador to Ukraine who has the power to request the government censor people. That's, that's the state department. Um, that's crazy. Uh, I got to get that lady's name, but she went in front of Congress for, I think unrelated reasons, but, they grilled her for a while. Previous. Uh, Marie Yovanovitch, I think, is the one. Hmm. Well. So, where are we now? Um, did we cover that one? Yeah, I think so. We did a solid job. What do we got next? Um, paperclip? Or do you want to do... Yeah, let's do paperclip. Okay. Kind of falling in order here to some degree. Yeah, I don't... Did you have them in a particular order? Well, this one works either way. No. It, <laughs> yeah, they just so happen to be going in, in somewhat chronological order. So that's kind of cool. Okay, so Operation Paperclip. So that was uh, right after World War II, and there were a bunch of Nazi scientists who were really good with uh, rocketry. Uh, what was his name? Werner von Braun or whatever was the head yep. of the uh, German rocket program. He was a bad dude. Um, he would hang the slowest Jews apparently at his rocket facility just to encourage the rest to uh, work harder. That might just be propaganda though. I, I don't know if I've actually seen that in writing. Um, but the Nazis had a really good rocket program. It was way, way ahead of everybody else. Um, they had the V1 rocket and the V2 rocket. Uh, the V2 rocket actually was able to go, I think that was able to hit uh, space basically um, they didn't necessarily use it for that purpose it was just you know carrying high explosives to blow up uh, London but uh, but they had really good scientists and after the war ended uh, the United States and Russia were kind of you know they split Germany up uh, at the end of the war and the United States tried to get a bunch of the German scientists to come over and work for America because we kind of realized immediately that we were going to have a problem with the Soviet Union um, and didn't want uh, the Soviets to scoop up all of the German scientists. So I think, what does this say? We got 
like 1600 German scientists and engineers who were Nazis and, uh, you know, using slave labor to do their thing and brought them over to the United States. And basically that was the, the, the basis of NASA. Um, and I wonder, you know, I've always heard NASA, but, and, you know, you have NASA where it's exploration and space, and that's kind of a slightly veiled description of building ICBMs, but they must have had a, um, a program at the same time that was developing ICBMs, right? I mean, they would, uh, they would have to, like a secret yeah. program. I mean, probably. I guess, I don't know. I mean, that makes sense to me. Because we had no ICBMs in World War II. They just dropped the bombs on right. planes. Then uh, we get all these Nazi scientists, and everybody talks about NASA, but we have, like, you know, however many 5,000 ICBMs sitting out in Kansas and other places. Uh, those came from somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's true. They're they're uh, rockets, so, um, yeah. So I would imagine these Nazis also helped build our ICBMs. Um, I never knew. I don't know how many people Russia got out of this deal. <clears throat> so so far, um, they've the Nazis. Uh, have helped start NASA and the CIA. Mm. There was Nazis brought over because um, they were also very good with you know propaganda and stuff. Mm. I did not know that. Um, and they helped they helped form the CIA as well. I had no idea. This doesn't say anything about that. This operation, if I had, it's a Wikipedia, so I, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But if I had internet, I'd pull it up, <laughs> which seems like a cop out. Um, Nazis. See if this Google search gets me um, banned. Oh yeah, you're for sure on the list. I'm just. I thought about typing it out, and I was like, dang. Nazis in the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> Washington Post. Uh, 2001, April 28th. CIA files confirm U.S. used Nazis after World War II. Well, yeah, no kidding. Um, CIA records showed up. Collaboration with... Oh, don't worry. They were just middle-ranking Nazis. Oh, oh, that makes it better. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all good. They're not the real bad ones. Um, You know, an SS officer who hunted Jews in Genoa, yeah. Mm -hmm. And was wanted in Rome for a 1944 massacre. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, do 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 CIA, boop-doop-doo. Yeah, so I guess the CIA did work with Nazis because um, they were really good at human intel, I guess. Tracking down the Jews. 
It just goes on so to list true. a bunch of people who worked with the CIA who were wanted for war crimes and were part of the Nazi party. This uh, Washington Post article. Hmm. And this is why I've said before that, I don't know, were we really the good guys and were we really fighting the Nazis in World War II? I know that like that probably sounds just absolutely nutty. But if these dudes were so evil that we're we're supposedly in a war against them, and then we just bring them on to work in our government? No, I think I think you're right. I think the United States had a tremendous amount of admiration for the Nazis. Um I really think they did because there were so much good before they started killing the Jews. They were so advanced in their technology and their society uh, that the United States was kind of envious of them. Um, and I think the, even the the killing of the Jews was, it was hidden um, from the public, from the American public. Because it was something that, you know, the United States government could just kind of overlook. It's like, well, they've got such a good society and good technology and they're, they're awesome. We want to be like them. Eh, they're a little anti-Semitic, but let's just let's just forget about that. Um, <laughs> they, they did that with uh, Stalin, too. There was a New York Times reporter who went over and hung out with Stalin and was supposedly... He, I mean, he was just writing glowing stories on communism and how awesome the Russians were. And he just forgot to write about the one part where they killed like two or three or four million Ukrainians by starvation. Um, that was going on while he was there and he witnessed it. Stalin went into Ukraine and took all the food, like literally just took all the food and starve the ukrainians and the uh the new york times just forgot to uh mention that because it would look bad for communism but i think so yeah and with world war ii you know what it really looks like to me if you if you look at the numbers uh russia beat germany like you know 95 of the effort was done by russia um and it was a strategic uh, decision to actually go in when we went in because uh, we were, so we had tight intelligence with Russia. I mean, as tight as we could get, because we were giving them a bunch of materials, uh, just tons of materials. We were using the Russians uh, to do all the dying for us, essentially to stop the Nazis. So we'd send them supplies, but we wouldn't send them people. Uh, so Russia, you know, eventually pushes back Germany, starts to beat them, starts to get organized at the end of the war. And the United States is like, yep, now it's time to go because we can't let <laughs> Russia have all of Europe because they would have probably just continued their push right to the freaking, you know, uh, to France, they would have taken France, they would have taken Germany, they would have taken all of Europe. 
if they didn't, uh, there wasn't somebody there to stop them. So that's what we did is, all right, we're going to take half of Germany. You take the other half of Germany and we'll call it good. So we went in there and just mopped up the old, old men and young boys and all the, <laughs> the scraps that were left over after Germany fought Russia for years. And we went in there, just mopped them up real quick and took the land uh, to stop the communists from taking over all of Europe. That's, that's the way I see it anyways. It may sound terrible, but um, you really have to well, look at the I mean, numbers. It's not like our government has done that to anybody else before. <laughs> yeah. Is I mean, it's just, it's the timing was impeccable. It's, you know, we could have invaded along, you know, quite a bit before then. Uh, but then we would have actually had to fight Germany and we would have lost millions of people. And there's no way right. our government could justify that. If you look at the, the casualties, um, we lost somewhere around 400,000, uh, people in world war two and you look at germany they lost you know like seven eight million um i have to get the numbers up it was a significantly more uh for the russians that's crazy sorry i was just i'm going way afield on this i guess but um no i mean it i don't know like it just, I feel like we're creating a case for us, the, the U.S. not having a government that's on the up and up. Yeah, not being the good guys necessarily. I mean, we weren't, you know, it, World War II, it's, it's hard to make that case a lot of times because of the evils that were perpetrated by the bad guys. Um, and I'm not saying that we did anything comparable to that. I'm just saying that we want to be virtuous about how we were awesome and we saved the day in world war two. And it's not the case at all. We went in there and right. at the last minute to take the land. Um, yeah, it, it just, the numbers are not even close to comparable. Russia lost, uh, 11 million soldiers and, uh, almost 24 million people. Cause wow. that was all the fighting was happening on their land and the Germans would pretty much just kill all the civilians wholesale. Um, if not that the Russians would burn, they had slash and burns. So they would burn all the farm fields, burn all the houses and just keep retreating back to the East. Um, and they didn't really care if their civilians starved to death. You know, the whole point was just stopping, right. stopping Germany. I mean, if you really look at this world war two was the bad guys versus the bad guys <laughs> like the Soviet union yeah. killed millions of their civilians. Germany killed millions of their civilians. They, you know, they were Jews more specifically, but, um, they, they didn't just kill Jews. I promise you that. Uh, so China also, we never think about China. They just got annihilated by Japan. Japan just, um, so they had lost almost 20 million uh, civilians and that was almost exclusive. China did? Yeah. Wow. That was almost exclusively Japan just uh, committing genocide. Um, 
Then let's see, Germany, we've got just about 6 million soldiers dead and then almost 8 million uh, total deaths. So, and where is America on this list? Can't even tell. <laughs> uh, like I said, I think the numbers are around 400,000 soldiers, but you talk about the main combatants, Russia lost 11 million soldiers to beat Germany. Uh, in Germany, you know, they lost about 6 million. They were fighting everybody else, but they lost the majority of their people in Russia. So that just puts the war into a little bit more perspective. Uh, if you haven't seen the numbers before, uh, and we kind of just came in at the last minute and were a check to stop Russia from taking all of Europe. So in that respect, we're the good guys, but we took um, the best and the brightest out of Germany and, and didn't, didn't really care if they were Nazis. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I think the, the picture you just painted um, makes a lot of sense and kind of explains why immediately after World War II, we instantly went into a Cold War with Russia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you had um, Patton. He wanted to just keep rolling on into Russia and just finish it up because that's what he said at the end of the war. He's like, well, we might as we've got all of our stuff here. We've got the tanks ready to go. We've got the soldiers and supply lines. Let's just get this over with and uh, take Russia, which we would have lost. <laughs> we would have lost that yeah. real oh, yeah. bad. <laughs> We'd have lost, you know, like four or five million people and Russia would have just annihilated us unless we started just dropping nukes. But, you know, still, that would have been a problem. So, yeah, it is kind of amazing. He also said... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, I was just going to say, he also said that we stopped the wrong party. Mm. Oh, they yeah, stopped In the Nazis, yeah. Yeah, he said... Like, he, so he's basically saying that the, uh, the communist Russia was worse than uh, the Nazis. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to argue with that. And if you just if you want to look, take an objective viewpoint, and forget about just not not forget about the Holocaust, but look at the numbers. If you're just considering people, uh, pretty sure the Soviet Union killed more of their own people than Germany ever did by a lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and I think that just lays out the thinking as well with Patton. What he was saying there is we should have let, uh, you know, maybe even given weapons to Germany and let them fight it out longer, you know? <laughs> that yeah. would have been, because that's what we did. We just watched them fight it out. Uh, we helped this losing side, which at first was Russia. And then when they finally crushed Germany, then we came in there and, all right, all right, you've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 
Germany got their eugenics program from America. Mm -hmm. Um, they've, uh, what do you call it? Uh, they basically based it off of like Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. Um, they, FDR and Hitler like wrote letters to each other. Um, and they weren't like angry letters. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't like condemning him. Dearest Adolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like they they said that America was a true like fascist country. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, they took a lot of that. Uh, Margaret Sanger, she was yep. all into uh, black genocide. That was the whole point of Planned yeah. Parenthood. Is uh, to, <laughs> as evil as I mean, it's worked. It has worked. The majority of abortions are you know, black children. It's that was the goal of Margaret Sanger's a eugenics program. And but thanks to their propaganda that they learned from Nazis, they painted it as white women's health. Mm -hmm. My body, my so, choice. Yeah. You get a bunch of um I don't know, angry white women very hard to you know it i just thought <laughs> my body my choice that's kind of funny because it's really the second choice isn't it <laughs> uh <laughs> you know i guess you get two goals yeah. at that one um yeah if you look up the the holodomor it was uh russian starving uh ukraine they 3.5 to 5 million dead just from starvation wow. in 1933. That's crazy. We're very far afield now. What's the, how long have we been going even? Oh, only an hour and 46 minutes. <laughs> uh, should we uh should we use right now to take a break slash we'll do pick up next week yeah for part two yeah that sounds like a great idea right. we can keep going we haven't even gotten right. the juicy ones yet there's so many more <laughs> yeah and i should have internet by then so that would be ideal. yeah next week i hope hope so <laughs> that would be a bummer and then, oh, and then next week will be the last one for a while, so we might have to make that one extra long because oh, right. we'll be gone for two weeks. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So. All right, well, yeah, we can wrap it and we'll continue on next week. All right, sounds good. Oh, that's a plan. All right, we'll have a good one. All right, you too. Thanks. Speaking of podcasts and waste of time, get out of here. Get out of here, people. You're wasting your life. <laughs>